Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, visit our website at overflowdfw.com. We're continuing our series today called Straver. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be straving. Don't be striving. Stop striving. Stop striving. And so week one, we talked about halting the hustle. How many of y'all remember that? We talked about, man, I'm going to halt the hustle in my life. I'm just going to put an end to hustling for the approval of people, that I'm going to start just pursuing Jesus. That is, that is going to be the hustle of my life, is going to be to know him, to, to, to experience the Lord, to encounter him. Last week, we talked about managing our desires. How many of you are here last week? We talked about that. We talked about putting an end, the choosing virtues over vices, and we need to be doing that. We need to be making good decisions, and we need to make, make not just good decisions, but God decisions. And today we're going to talk about the Father's blessing. Everyone say the Father's blessing. How many know that God wants to bless you? And I want to, I want to go ahead and tell you the end right now. Blessing doesn't come from your striving. Blessing doesn't come from your striving. Genesis chapter 27 Got a lot of reading today, so just be patient with me. One day, when Isaac was old and turning blind, he called for Esau, his older son, and said, My son. Yes, father, Esau replied. I'm an old man now. (laughs) And Isaac said, And I don't know when I may die. Take your bow and quiver full of arrows and go out into the open country and hunt for me some wild game. Everybody say wild game. Hunt some wild game for me. Prepare my favorite dish and bring it here for me. Then I will pronounce the blessing that belongs to you, my firstborn son, before I die. But Rebecca overheard what Isaac had said to his son Esau. How many know that there's somebody always listening in, trying to have a plan for your life? But Rebecca overheard what Isaac had said and said to his son Esau, but when Esau left to hunt for the wild game, she said to her son, Jacob, listen, I overheard your father say to Esau, bring some wild game or prepare for me a delicious meal. Then I will bless you in the Lord's presence before I die. Now, my son, listen to me. Do exactly as I tell you. Go to the flocks and bring me two fine young goats. I'll prepare, I'll use them to prepare your father's favorite dish. Then take the food to your father so that he can eat it and bless you before he dies. But look, Jacob replied to Rebecca, my brother Esau's a hairy man and my skin is smooth. <laughs> we talked about that before, that Esau's this hairy, burly guy, and here's Jacob who lives in the tents, and he's got his mama's skin. What if my father touches me? What if my father touches me? He'll see that I'm trying to trick him, and then he'll curse me instead of blessing me. But his mother replied, let the curse fall on me, my son. Just do what I tell you to do. Go out and get the goats for me. So Jacob went out and got the young goats for his mother. And Rebekah took them and prepared a delicious meal just the way Isaac liked it. Then she took Esau, Esau's favorite clothes, which were there in the house, and gave them to her younger son, Jacob. She covered his arms in the smooth part of his neck with the skin of the young goats. Then she gave Jacob the delicious meal, including freshly baked bread. So Jacob took the food to his father. My father, he said. Yes, my son Isaac. 
Yes, Isaac answered, who are you? Everybody say, who are you? Who are you? Esau or Jacob? Jacob replied, it's Esau, your firstborn son. I've done as you told me. Here's the wild game. Now sit up and eat so that you can give me your blessing. Isaac asked, how did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord your God put it in front of my path. And Isaac said to Jacob, come closer so I can touch you and make sure that you are really Esau. Come closer so that I can touch you and make sure that you're really Esau. So Jacob went closer to his father. And Isaac touched him. The voice is Jacob's, but the hands are Esau, Isaac said. But he did not recognize Jacob because Jacob's hands felt hairy just like Esau's. So Isaac prepared to bless Jacob. But are you really my son Esau? He asked. Yes, I am, Jacob replied. Then Isaac said, now my son, bring me the wild game. Let me eat it, then I will give you my blessing. So Jacob took took to his father and Isaac ate it. He also gave him a drink of wine that Jacob served him. And then Isaac said to Jacob, please come a little closer. Everybody say, come a little closer. Please come a little closer and kiss me, my son. So when Jacob went over and kissed him, and when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he was finally convinced and blessed his son. He said, ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of the outdoors, which the Lord has blessed. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, and almost before Jacob had left, his father Esau returns. And if you will continue to read the story, you'll see that Esau shows up and did the exact same thing that Jacob did, except for it was Esau that was doing it. He brought in the wild game, prepares the meal, and comes in to prepare to be blessed by his father. And then when he goes, wait a second, who are you? He said, I'm Esau. And it says that Isaac began to tremble because he realized that he was deceived and he gave his blessing to the wrong boy. And he says, I can't bless you. I've already given the blessing to your brother Esau. And it says this in verse 6. It says that Esau exclaimed, no wonder his name is Jacob. No wonder his name is Deceiver. First, he took my rights, like we talked about last week, as the firstborn son. And now he has stolen my blessing. Now he has stolen my blessing. If you remember last week when we talked about the birthright, part of the birthright was the blessing. The the problem with Esau's is it wasn't his anyway. He had already given it away. There's four characters in the narrative today, first of all, we have Rebecca. The word Rebecca, the name Rebecca means ensnarer. And here's Rebecca once again waiting at the wings to show favor to her son, to feed in to Jacob, to teach him to deceive his father. Now, it'd be easy for us to look at this manipulative woman. And blame her for the whole scenario. But understand that, that Jacob is at least 40 years old. I mean, he's got, should have some wisdom under his belt. He should be able to make his own decisions. But maybe he's been 
living in the basement playing video games. I don't know what he's been doing for those 40 years. But here he is, 40, some people say even as many as 70 years old when he's allowing himself to be manipulated by his mother. Then we have Esau, Esau the hairy outlaw who his father favors. Again, he has no right to the blessing because he has sold it before. And then we have Isaac, the dad, who's old and blind. He thought he was about to die, but if, you, if you'll study out the story and we'll see as we go along in the series, he lives for about another 40 years. But what else was he blind to? Was he blind to the transaction that happened when the bowl was served, sold for the birthright? Was he blind to how manipulative his wife was? Was he blind to the lifestyle that Esau was living? Isaac was growing blind. And then we have Jacob. Oh, Jacob. Jacob, the the focal point of our journey, the scheming trickster, the deceiver. Again, lies, lying, working his way in there, deceiving his father. Three times, three times lying about his identity. Then he pretends to dress up as his brother to get a blessing. He puts on that goat skin on his arm so he can appear to be something he's not. And then he lies that God blesses him already. He's like, oh, then that must quit. You did pretty good out there with the wild game. Oh, yeah, the Lord has blessed me. How many times have we, with things that we've done through manipulation and deception, and we've said, the Lord bless me. How many times have we, have we given God the credit for something that we did? How many times does God get blamed for the stupid things that we do? The things that we do out of effort, the things that we do out of work. How many times do we blame God for something that we did? See, Jacob knew, I believe that Jacob not only knew that he was being deceptive, knew that he got this illegally. But it, was, it wasn't just an illegal blessing, it was an inferior blessing to what God had for Jacob. And so he strives, he connives, he gets this. And did you know that he lives a lot more of his life knowing that he had an inferior blessing? In fact, when God shows up, which we'll talk about in a couple of weeks, when God shows up to bless him, he fights for the blessing. Because he knew, something in him knew that there was a blessing that I haven't got yet. I still want the blessing. Why? Because he got it illegally. And he didn't just get an illegal blessing, he got an inferior one. See, many strive towards Yahweh, Yahweh like Jacob approached Isaac. Many times we approach God like he's Isaac. We strive for something from people that only God can give us. Have you ever done that? Have you ever strived to get from people what only God can give you? Did you know that only God can give you the confidence you need? How many times do we strive for affirmation from people? Trying to get the applaud of people so we can feel more secure about yourself. You know, you know only God can give you that kind of security. You know that only God can give you that sense of peace. So many times we, we pursue things so we, so we feel financially at peace. Did you know that this, there's a peace that only God can give you? Why are you striving so hard for the peace that you can find and rest? Why do we work so hard to get things from people that only God can give us? To get things from this world that only God can give us? See, the fact is, is that Abba is not like Isaac. Our heavenly father is not like Isaac. See, Isaac had failing vision, but Abba has perfect vision. He sees all. He sees everything. 
He sees behind the curtain where Rebecca is. He sees all. He knows all. Number two, he can taste and smell. It's interesting that Isaac mistaked the goats for wild game. He didn't know what he was eating. He, he, his, since the smell wasn't strong enough, that the, the, the odor that he smelled on Jacob was, was underneath the odor of Esau. But our Heavenly Father has a great taste, great sense of taste and a great sense of smell. See, he, the thing is, is, is God is different than Isaac because God won't settle for a lesser offering. See, many times God, God comes to us and says, I want this. I'm specific. I want this. And we give him our version of that. How many times has God asked us for something and then we, we give to him a partial obedience? Well, I'm just not there yet, God. And so we just offer him just a little bit. An inferior, lesser offering. To give him something similar. Listen, he doesn't want your version. (laughs) He wants the version that can only satisfy the deepest desires in his heart. He wants all of you. He wants you. If he is specific in the asking, then we need to be persistent in the bringing. I'm not, I'm not talking about that you're working for something. We're talking about bringing. Come on, we're not, we're not talking about laboring. We're not talking about tirelessly performing religious doing. We're, we're, we're talking about bringing from the things that are in our heart and applying all of that to what we give to the Father. See, grace, I love what Dallas Willard said. He, says, he said that grace is not opposed to effort. Grace is opposed to earning. See, you think that you can earn the blessing of God. You've got it all wrong. You don't earn the blessing of God. You align yourself for it. See, earning is an attitude and effort is an action. So God wants your effort. He wants your desire. He wants your best foot forward. He does, absolutely. But you're not earning anything with God. He will not be satisfied. Let me, let me suggest this to you. The enemy will be satisfied. With an artificial offering. The enemy, the enemy will, will caress you and say, Oh, that's just who you are. That's all you get. That's you can't do anymore. The third thing about Abba that's different than Isaac is that Abba doesn't have limited resources. <laughs> Our Heavenly Father does not have limited resources. His resources are unlimited, totally unlimited. Listen, we have this poverty mindset when it comes to receiving from God. So what happens is when God blesses one of our brothers or sisters and the Lord, you know what we do? We do one of two things. First of all, we despise the person that receives the blessing that we're wanting. Or we pretend to be our brother or sister, in order to get the blessing that they've received. Listen, you were 
specifically and specially loved by your heavenly Father. He has, he has, he has a plan for you. He has a blessing for you. He has something he's, he's trying to bring forth in your life. And it's not just an end game. It's, he, there is something in the process that he is building in you. The blessing is actually in the process. It's not just the end. Who are you becoming? And listen, if you're just functioning, if you're just functioning for the end, pretending to be someone else or despising someone else to get that, you're going to get something that you don't want. You're going to get something that you weren't built for. Listen, God can't bless who you aren't. (laughs) He can only bless the real you. And beloved, he wants to bless the real you. He wants to bless you. Does he want to bless your brother? Absolutely. But we've got this poverty mindset. When we talk about poverty, everybody thinks about money. No, you've got this poverty mindset that says if God blesses that person, then I can't be blessed. Do you think that he functions on the earth's economy? I mean, do we really think that he is limited by the resources on the earth? So we tear our brothers down. Come on. Well, they're getting blessed. Well, if you knew how they really were, I read an article. I'll share it with you. So you can know how bad they are. To minimize their character, to to disrupt their character because you're jealous of the blessing that they have. I've seen it so many times. I've done it. I've done it in my life. I've I've looked at people that were being blessed and I would go, well, let's let's find something we can pick on on their character. Instead of looking at the mirror and going, oh, oh yeah, I have some character flaws too. Whoops. Rather than pointing at the blessing, say, man, that's awesome. I rejoice in your blessing. Let me, you, let me give you this. And we've shared this before. If you want to protect your heart from bitterness, and I think we all do. None of us want to get old and bitter and conniving. And str- none of us want that. Listen, if you want to protect your heart from bitterness, learn to rejoice. Learn to rejoice in what you want in others. When someone succeeds where you want to succeed, you rejoice in that. That'll keep your heart pure. That'll keep your heart tender before the Lord. And I believe it'll position you for the blessing that you're meant to receive. So rejoice in others what you want for yourself. So how do we properly appropriate the Father's blessing? How to receive the Father's blessing, how to appropriate it. It's not something that we earn, but it is something that we appropriate in our life. Number one is identify manipulation. Identify manipulation. See, what does that have to do with blessing? Everything, because what happens is with manipulation is manipulation gets us to be somebody that we're not. Manipulation will, 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 will cause your character to switch in a way that it was never meant to function. See, manipulation will always tell you what you need, that you need to be a certain way, that you need to perform a certain way, that you need to clothe yourself a certain way to get the blessing. If you want God to like you, then you're going to have to do this. Have you ever been told anything like that? Beloved, don't allow manipulators to control your identity. And oftentimes, oftentimes, the bride of Christ has become the great manipulator. How many of you have ever been, how many of y'all have ever had church hurt? 
Now, church hurt hurts. We can be, I think we can all be honest. How many of us have had church hurt? And usually when we're church hurt, we carry that around for a long time. The preacher treated me this way or said something I didn't like. The, the, you know, for me, it was, there was an older woman in the church that was, you know, just kind of always on my case. Whatever it was, church hurt carries with us a long time because we have this, we have this unreal expectation for people that are in ministry or they're up front leading or we consider them like an icon or pillar. We have, we have, we, we create idols out of these people and we, we assume they're perfect because they have a microphone. So I spent a lot of time just trying to say, listen, I've been processed just like you because I will probably do things as your pastor that will offend you. Not that I want to, some of you are like, yeah, I know, like right now. <laughs> but church hurt hurts worse than other hurts. And the bride has been really, really guilty of manipulation. But let me say this, that just because we've acted that way doesn't disqualify us. Because just, just like your poor behaviors didn't disqualify you, the poor behaviors of those that lead didn't disqualify them either for the goodness of God. How do we properly identify manipulation? Well, first of all is this, is it realized that manipulation is from the enemy. It's easy to blame people for what the devil does. Now, it's not, now every person has to be yielded. Come on. We understand that. We recognize that. But it's easy to blame people. But sometimes, listen, the strength of the manipulation is that we justify this thing called offense. So someone hurts us because they were wrong. We identify that. That was wrong. That was of the enemy. They 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 were not functioning in their pure identity as sons and daughters. They weren't working for God at that moment. But then we get bitter and we carry that around for 10, 15 years. Or longer. And so we say, well, I'm not going to go to church. I got hurt in church. We also got healed in church. Don't forget about that. And I would say this, that the, this, the same thing that hurt you is going to be the same thing that heals you. God ain't getting rid of his church. Listen, I know you got rid of the toxic people, but did you drink the poison of offense? Oh, get rid of all the toxic people. And then we walk around with this bitterness. Well, Apparently, the toxin is still in your body. You're still functioning with the bitterness. You're still functioning with the unforgiveness. So you remove the toxic people, but you've carried the bitterness. And now guess who's become toxic? We remember the sting more than we do the blessings. Now all of a sudden, we take a snapshot of people's worst moments, and we define those people by their worst moments, and we forget anything good that they've ever done. Beloved, there's no perfect people. No perfect people selling books with microphones or anything. There's no perfect people. That's why we need Jesus. <laughs> right? And I'm not justifying behavior. The manipulation is a real thing. But don't lose sight of your identity because of it. I would suggest this, that manipulation is from the enemy, but most manipulation happens in our mind. When we're hurt, we think that, that people's sole mission in their life is to hurt us, right? We get very isolated. We say, oh, 
I bet they're just, I bet they're sitting up in bed thinking, of, thinking about how awful of a person I am right now. The fact is they probably didn't even think about you today. Right? And we, we, we think that people have, when people hurt us, it, it was like, that was like their singular assignment of their life is to hurt us, is to wound us. And there may be some out there like that, but I, I, I've never ran across anybody like that. That's that dead sin on hurting people. Most people, just like you, most people intend well. But we get in our mind and we're so narrow focused looking through the peephole of our life going, oh, I can see it all. <laughs> There's a whole lot you're not seeing. So understand that most manipulation happens in the mind. I would also suggest this. If, if there is something that happened to you two months ago, two years ago, 20 years ago, that you're sterile carrying around, then you are allowing the enemy, listen, to have influence in your life. And we can sit around and we can blame people all day long. I'm not justifying behavior. But let me, you, you want to deal with that? You get on the phone call and say, listen, I'm sorry for the last two years of being wounded and offended at you. I just want to let you know I love you. And I'm praying for you. I'm praying God would increase your love. That will do so much for you, but it might also heal them. What if God would use you? Oh, what if God would use you to heal the people that hurt you. <laughs> I mean, isn't this the heart of Jesus? Father, forgive them. They're killing me. They're killing Jesus. And he's like, forgive them, Lord. I'm not, saying, I'm not making light of your pain, beloved. Understand manipulation. Because we'll say, we'll say, the devil meant it for bad, but God meant it for good. Right? But all we can talk about is what the devil meant for bad. Did God work it out? Maybe the problem started with them, but you have the power to allow it to continue. Only you have the power to stop its influence in your life. So identify that at manipulation. Y'all okay? And wherever that comes from, some of it doesn't come from the church. Sometimes it comes from a, a parent or a friend or a relationship. Listen, all those things. But listen, God wants to heal you. Absolutely. God wants to also deal with the thing that caused that manipulation. Number two, stop pretending. Isaac, looking at Jacob, thinking he's Esau. Listen, beloved, our Heavenly Father is not blind. He sees beyond the mask, He sees beyond the skin. And this was Jacob's statement was, was this. What if my father touches me? What if he touches me? What if he touches who I really am? Stop pretending. He wants to touch you. He wants to transform you. Listen, it's time that we get vulnerable with God. Because sometimes we come into a worship service, we come into a message, and we want, we want to have it all figured out. Sometimes it's for other people. Sometimes we're performing for other people. Sometimes it's, I don't want anybody to think this. I don't want anybody to think that. So we don't get what we want from God. Other times we go before God. And we're not vulnerable. And we're not real. We just go, God, well, you, you saw what I did this week. And you just, instead of going, God, why do I feel this way? Why am I functioning this way? Why does this bother me so much? 
Get real. Get genuine. Get authentic before the Father. God, what do you think about this tension that I carry? Is it justifiable that I'm this offended? Lord, is it justifiable? I will promise you, he will never tell you that your offense is justifiable. However, he will understand your offense. And he will understand your pain. And so when you get before the Lord, you're not going to be like, God, I'm just so mad. If you can just get vulnerable for just a minute, your, your, your language will change to this. God, I'm just so hurt. I'm Jacob. I'm Jacob. See? We've got to deal with the imposter in our life, the performer. Stop pretending. Number three, properly adorn yourself. Properly adorn yourself. What are you putting on? What are you putting on? What show are you putting on? What clothing are you putting on? See, Abba can, can feel and he can smell the imposter. There's nothing, there's nothing you can do to cover up. He knows beneath. He's just wanting you to say, I'm Jacob. See, we don't have to cover ourselves with the skin of a goat because we have the blood of the lamb. You don't have to, you don't have to pretend who you are because Jesus has made a provision for you to go before the Father. He has made a way for you through the blood of Jesus. 1 John chapter 1 verse 7, it says, If we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. We're all part of the family because of that. And the blood of Jesus will cleanse us from all sin. What is that saying? It's saying this. It's saying this. If if we're living in the light, if we're living in the place of vulnerability, if we're living in the place of the unhidden, if we're walking in the light, Lord, here I am in your light. You see all, totally naked, totally exposed, totally the intentions of my heart. Everything, God, just rip bare before you. Here I am. He says, then you have fellowship. Then you have real fellowship. You know, you know what it's called whenever you make up the big story and you lie and you cover up and you try to hide and you have relationship with people? That's called fake fellowship. Real fellowship happens is when you're naked. Not, not in the weird sense. Not in the literal sense, but whenever you're, you're just exposed. When you're just saying, you know what? I don't have anything to hide. I don't have anything to prove myself. I, I stopped trying to be cool a long time ago. Because what I found is when I'm just trying to be cool and be accepted is I start acting like Esau and not Jacob. And then people like a version of me that's not real. If I'm just putting on. What are you putting on? I'm putting on the butter. I don't need the skin of goats. I've got the blood of Jesus that cleanses me from my sin. Yeah, sin, man, I screw up, but I'm in the light of God. I'm exposed myself to the light of God. Man, I am weak. I do suck at that. But I'll tell you what, the blood of Jesus cleanses me. Will you be in fellowship with me? We can do life together because we're all just in the light.
Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 says, You are all sons of God through faith. Sons speaking of position, not gender, in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ, not baptized in water here, but baptized into Christ, that you've been submerged, that you've, your life has now been hidden in Christ, have clothed yourself in Christ. See, we don't identify as Christians. Our identity is in Christ. We're hidden in him. I didn't add Jesus on. I hid my life in him. What I put, what did you put on? I put on Jesus. So when I go before the Father, it's a blessing every time because I put on Jesus. Jesus said it this way when he was praying in John chapter 17. He said, Father, I pray that they would see, that they would recognize, that they would know that you love them as much as you love me. The Father loves you as much as he loves Jesus because you are in Jesus. Not because you performed so well. Not because you strived. Not because you pretended to be the favorite son. But because of Jesus. And number four is this is come close. Come close. If you want to receive the Father's blessing, you've got to come close. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13, it says, But now, in Christ Jesus, you who are once far away have now been brought near through the blood of Christ. See, the blood doesn't just give you access and let you in the room. The blood actually allows you to draw close. So he comes into the room. He's standing in the room. Who are you? I'm your son. Come here. He gets a little closer. He brings him the the offering. He gets him close. Come a little closer so I can kiss you. And it says that whenever he came a little closer, it says when he kissed him, he could smell. He could smell his favorite son. You know what you smell like to the Father? You say, oh, man. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 15 says this. It says, we, for we are now the aroma of Christ to God. You know what you, if you're in Jesus, you know what you smell like? You don't smell like your mistakes. You don't smell like the pigs that you've been running with. The garbage that you've been eating, you know what you smell like? You smell like Jesus. You don't smell like the mistakes that you've made. You smell like the Son of God. That's what your fragrance is. And listen, when the Father smells Jesus in you, He just pulls you close. And the blessing flows. Come a little closer. Kiss me, my son. See, the blessing, the blessing flows out of intimacy. The blessing flows out of intimacy. And let me also suggest this. The blessing is intimacy. The blessing is knowing the Father. Some of you are are wanting some kind of material thing, some kind of substance in your life. This is the blessing of God. You know what the greatest blessing is? The blessing is being in the room and the Father saying, come a little closer. 
The blessing is drawing close and allowing the Father to grab a hold of you and pull you close. I, th- I think about my kids. You know, people have a scent, an aroma. You know, it can be not good sometimes. But I love to pull my kids close. I love to, to smell them. Elisa last night was, was walking by. We got home late last night. She's walking by. She's kind of grumpy. I said, come here, baby. What's wrong? Don't want to talk about it. You know, like I'll chill with the drama, being all extra. And so I just, I picked her up and I pulled her into the chair. I was sitting there just kind of working on this message a little bit. And I pulled her close. And I just, just took her in. Worked on my grumpies. Didn't push her away. Go in there, you're grumpy. No, come here, you're grumpy. You can't force blessing, beloved. You can't force the Father's hand. You can't pretend your way in. See, Esau knew what his father liked and wanted. He knew he liked that wild game. He said, wild game I like. He knew because he had been living in proximity to his father. He was his father's favorite. Jacob, he was just wanting a blessing. And missing the real blessing. See, most of us are way more concerned about what we like and what we want, and we'd rather God bless what we like or what we want. Rather than God giving us the real blessing that He wants to give us. I want to draw you close today. I want to provoke you to come to the Lord today. Wherever you're at, some of you have been content standing across the room. Just like Jacob was when he walked in. And you're thinking, what if my father touches me? I don't want him to get too close. I don't want him up in my business. He might might reveal some things that are inside of me. Some of you just need to say, you know what? I'm Josh Brown. That's who I am. And you know what his plea to you is? Come a little closer. Let me get my hands on you, son. Let me get my hands on you, daughter. I want to bless you. Let me kiss on you. Let me love on you. Beloved, he wants to bless you. He he will be good to you. But are you close enough? Are you close enough to experience his goodness? 